This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A good Saturday evening, Delaware Valley, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on another Saturday night, Jay Doc, and it's our uh, monthly Labor Leader Roundtable. Got a great topic and a great subject of conversation that we'll get into uh, tonight. We do the monthly roundtable every month live at the Sinesta. Absolutely. It's great to be here at Sinesta. They do such a great job, and it's my honor to be here with our distinguished guests. Uh, certainly, uh, it, this is our Tribute to Black History Month broadcast that we do every year, and so uh, we're going to have an outstanding show and, and uh, in honor of uh, February being Black History Month. So, uh, really glad to have everybody here. Alright, all good stuff. A quick reminder for uh, our listening audience, every third week of the month here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, it's uh, Pat Eiding, the president of the Philadelphia AFL-CIO. He goes off cuff, uh, unscripted. We'll do that the uh, third week of every month right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And a programming reminder as we look ahead to Sunday, April 8th, the All-Star Labor Classic, the 31st annual All-Star Labor Classic. Uh, getting ready, you'll hear all of the action, uh, and we'll be live. Another good event uh, done well by the Building Trades and uh, the AFL-CIO. That coming up on Sunday, April 8th. University of the Sciences is where uh, those games will be played you'll hear more about that uh, as the show rolls on as the show rolls on and the month rolls on uh, moving to april jerry d hockey joining us up on the set jerry a, a good saturday to you my friend nice to have you back with us thank you uh, and once again it is my uh, pleasure and honor not only to be a sponsor of this uh, program but also to be a participant with this esteemed group of labor leaders that we have tonight in I'm sure we're going to have a lively conversation as we go through the evening. All right, good stuff from Jerry. Thank you very much. Our audience or our participants who are part of the Roundtable uh, Labor Leader Roundtable tonight, Fred Wright is with us. Fred, a good evening to you, the president of Ask Me DC 47. Uh, not his first rodeo here uh, on Saturday Night Live. Nice to have Fred here. Chris Woods, uh, last time we met with Chris, was down at the studio, uh, and Chris joined us. Chris is the executive VP of 1199C. Martin Williams, uh, business manager of Boilermakers Local 13. Martin, nice to have you. Welcome in uh, to the program. Nicole Fuller uh, is here from the Philadelphia uh, AFL-CIO uh, as well. And our good friend Jim Stevenson is sitting in uh, with us tonight. Uh, we're going to try and refrain from Jimmy taking too much of the time on the microphone, but Jimmy, nice to have uh, you here uh, as well. 32 years uh, doing business and serving the union community. Jimmy, appreciate you being here uh, and joining us on the roundtable. Absolutely. And, and, and so... Um you know, this being our, our, our Black History Month show, and, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the, the labor movement, uh, the civil rights movement, how they intertwine, and, 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 uh, and how they've impacted one another. Uh, I want to start off, and uh, you know, just with, with Fred Wright. Uh, Fred, uh, and across the board, if you as well, what does Black History Month mean to you? Black History Month um, really is special to me because, again, that, that recognizes the... Um, 
advance that we made as a people throughout the year, the contribution we made to the American society. Um, and as you said earlier, Joe, um, the labor movement and the civil rights movement have been intertwined together. So at this time, if, if no other special time for us to recognize not only the civil rights leader from the past, but also the African-American labor leader of the past who did everything they could to try to uplift people in their community um, and on the job to really better their standard of living. Nicole? Um, well, to me, Black History Month, um, I get to talk to a lot of students, introduce them to some of their uh, history that they're not, you know, taught in the local uh, schools. So it, it's a lot of fun. I get to go out and do that. So I look forward to that um, every year. Martin? In addition to what uh, Fred and Nicole said, I think it's a chance for me to uh, reflect on you know, what I'm doing currently and making sure that I'm an example for uh for other black folks and uh, my family, friends, and um, again, it's just a time of reflection. That's what that's what the month means to me. Chris, um, it's an opportunity for me, um, being a young black male with um, a son now who's five, is an opportunity to have him learn about a lot of our great leaders who uh, have paved the way for not only his dad but for a lot of us to be um, doing um, a lot of the great work that we're doing. And um, so it's not only. Uh, a great month for me. It's also my birthday month, so February is right. always a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you touch on something, y y your son, how, you know, and that leads me, and we'll just throw the softball and, uh, you know, the ball out there. How important is it, and I'm saying this to the whole group, uh, for the youth of today to understand and participate in Black History Month festivities and events? Well, um, you know, I can take that, Joe. Um, you know, I have a grandson who, who's 19 now, and, and I, I edu educate him every chance I get on um, organized labor and working um, people issues. And I, I remind him, you know, his grandfather, my father, um, was a steel worker. You know, back in the 70s, you know, those jobs were gone now. Um, but back in the 70s, you know, my father was making $25 an hour, um, you know, time and a half, good benefits. Um, and he couldn't believe it. Now he could, he's working, you know, he, he, he's in college, but he worked minimum wage jobs. And, you know, he, can, he can't fathom that 30 years ago a uh, good manufacturing job was making, you know, $20 an hour, $25 an hour with benefit, like the auto workers, the steel workers. I mean, they were good jobs that the people had a good middle class living that they did away with. Um, and that was so many people angry about now, but, um, you know, that is something that we lost and, and the public is really trying their best to get back. Jimmy, uh, Jerry, let me bring you into the conversation and get you to weigh in on this, Jimmy. Stevenson and I were talking earlier uh, today and leading up to the show, and um, we were just sharing conversation about trying to get um, those listening on Talk Radio 1210, perhaps, um, to understand, Try, trying to get people to consume the message, understand the message. Your well, thoughts? You, you have to participate in conversations. You have to engage people in conversations. You have to bring it up. Uh, if, if you don't take the uh, responsibility of bringing it up, uh, it may not get talked about. Uh, I have a 17-year-old daughter uh, who's, thank God, her school spends a significant amount of time dealing not only with black history but with American history. And you can't talk about American history without talking about black history. They're intertwined. I mean, and, and, I, and that's amazing. I mean, that's a, I was, I was, and one of the questions I was going to ask the panel is, do you think that black history should be a topic that, 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 that is, is in the curriculum of, of, of our, not only high schools, but grade schools? It has to be, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. I mean, it has, it provides a, a appreciation for us to, you know, learn, especially at a young age um, in some of the uh, elementary schools at a young age for people to be provided with an opportunity to understand who's paved the way for us. It's only the responsible thing to do. Uh, when we when we look at the history of this country, every stage from inception uh, to now, every major point of development or every major point of advancement, uh, African Americans have been part of that advancement. Uh, teaching, you know, grade school students, high school students. Again, it's the only if if we want to have uh, a comprehensive understanding of the history of this country, it's the only responsible thing to do. Nicole? Yes, I do. I agree with what everything um, the gentlemen have said. And, um, you know, you can't have hist- American history without black history. It's just, I don't even understand how anybody can think that. Um, you have your inventors, you have the folks that have literally built this country, you know, a lot of which were African Americans. And the interesting thing is, uh, we just did a, we did a broadcast called in, in Black and White. It was a three-part series. And we talked about it, and I think it's important, like, like you said, Jerry, and, and, and the panel said, uh, but I think it's an important also, uh, as a Caucasian male, um, growing up, if, if, if you, to, in order to understand you know, each other and understand, I think it's, we're, it's a part of our history that we're not learning, and it's incredible, and it would allow us to understand and know each other, understand the experiences from an early age. And so I think it's it was a question I was saving for later. But, Jerry, you know, I and I know the firm, you know, is a very diverse firm. And we're going to talk about that. Um, but absolutely. Absolutely. Point well taken. All right. Good stuff. Good start to the program tonight. It's Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Lever. Jim, before we go to the break, let me get you to weigh in on it. You've got a perspective. You're a salty old guy like me. Thirty two years uh, around the space, been around the Delaware Valley for a long, long time. You certainly have. Uh, you've been um, working with unions uh, for a long, long time. Uh, your perspective before we go to the break. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, it's not just American history and black history, but it's immigrant history, too. In, in Philadelphia, my my parents, my grandparents came, and, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's like, like Jerry said, it's all intertwined. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to be involved with such a diverse group and uh you know it's um uh, just uh it's part of our culture right. that's it good stuff and we're lucky to have you here and we're lucky to have you supporting me. Uh, the union community it's jim stevenson from chapman uh it's our labor leader roundtable here on talk radio 1210 wpht we're presented by weinerman pain and wellness we're powered by pond la hockey stern and giordano we're fueled by the senesta hotel where every month we have our labor leader roundtable again a thank you to everybody for coming out we're driven of course by chapman ford and our good friend jim stevenson we'll get to our commercial break we'll continue with the dialogue uh you're listening to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Back in a moment. I believe there's room, okay, for the national building trades, the local building trades that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, an early start on a Saturday night as we lead you right into St. Joe's basketball coming up here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. So we're continuing our conversation. Um, 
Uh, it's our tribute to, to Black History Month uh, broadcast. I'm going to talk about our civil rights leaders and the impact they've had on the labor movement. Um, what what impact did our uh, our civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King and A. Philip Randolph have on are the labor movement back in the '60s and even today? Well, you start with A. Philip Randolph. A. Philip Randolph. Um, people don't know he was a um, Pullman Porter, organized the Pullman Porter, um, which is the the um, people who worked on the trains, um, the porters worked on the train back in the 60s. It took him 12 years to organize the worker, 12 years organizing drive. Um, again, you know, organize work for better wages and better, you know, conditions. Because again, the porters were, you know, living on the trains, um, working long hours without compensation. And, um, you know, A. Philip Randolph took that opportunity to really organize them to really improve their standard of living. Um, you had Martin Luther King, who really, um, before he died, he was on a, a um, picket line with a sanitation worker at, at Memphis, um, Tennessee, that, that um, you know, again, stand up for workers who were trying to stand up for their um, rights as, as a man because they weren't recognized. Um, you know, they were working, working long hours, low pay, no pay, um, and, you know, two of them died in the back of a sanitation truck trying to just um, guard themselves in the weather. Um, on their lunch break. So, again, you know, the civil rights movement, the labor movement is, is really entwined, you know, about, again, um, civil rights and human rights, really about human rights also, um, you know, which, whichever way you look at it. And you, you go back to the Hispanics on, on the West Coast, you picking the agriculture, you know, who had worked in the field for a long hours of time. So it's all, it's all about human rights. Well, I, I always, I've read this quote every year from Martin Luther King. Um, in our glorious fight for civil rights, we must guard against being fooled by false slogans such as right to work. It is a law to rob us of our civil rights and our job rights. Its purpose is to destroy labor unions and the freedom of collective bargaining by which unions have improved wages and working conditions of everyone. Wherever these laws have passed, wages are lower, job opportunities are few, and there are no civil rights. I mean, that's Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. A, a great civil rights leader. That's as much a, a labor leader statement, and it's as important today as it was 50 years ago when he said it. Unbelievable. I was just going to say, I'm originally out of the UAW, and so Martin Luther King and Walter Ruther, you know, walked hand in hand to fight for those human rights that Fred talked about. Um, you know, so there you have it. <laughs> I actually have pictures in my office um, of Coretta Scott King, who was here in Philly with my president, Henry Nicholas, um, when, we, when he first came to town to organize these hospitals, leafleting, being around the clock with us. So um, the civil rights movement and the civil rights leaders, I mean, provided a way for um, the labor movement to keep moving forward. So they played a big part. I'll just add a few more uh, comments about A. Philip Randolph. Uh, last year I read a, a fascinating book about uh, his life and the, uh, the effort it took to form the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters was called Rising from the Rails. And the, the fascinating thing about Randolph is that he had two legacies, right, as a, a labor organizer and also a civil rights leader. Um, so when we, hear, when we hear that quote equating labor rights and civil rights, it's true. Uh, and he recognized that. Uh, and the, again, the fascinating thing from reading the book is uh, how much... Uh, those two areas came into play. Uh, the civil rights movement was able to take advantage of the railroad network, you know, from the sleeping car porters. Uh, information was uh, 
proliferated from the north to other uh, areas of the country, and uh, information was effectively able to uh, be passed on that way. It was uh, his life is a fascinating story. Agitated, uh, you know, organized. He was tenacious. Um, just a, a, a real example, Jerry. Some we, of that, uh, some of that reference uh, by Martin um, struck a chord with uh, struck a chord with me. And I've got to ask you: You wake up, uh, and what you do for a living? You go to work every day, fighting for people who uh, need a voice, fighting for people um, who who perhaps are are being put at a, at a disadvantage by uh, by somebody else in society because they want to. Those th th That tenacity and those necessity things are important. There's always going to be a, an antagonist and a protagonist on any kind of issue we deal with. You can't look at the civil rights, civil rights movement without understanding that its basic foundation was based on labor issues. That's what it really, the, the, the core of the civil rights movement was over labor issues. And you can go back even further in history when you talk about uh, where prejudices were born, it was how people were treated from a labor standpoint. That's where it all started. And the civil rights movement and, and where we are today has its primary foundation in a labor movement. And the issues that, that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis they're not per se labor issues as they are human rights issues and, and how people are treated on the job, whether they be white, it doesn't matter what their, their color or their creed is. People seem to be treated a certain way when they're hurt on the job by their employers. And there's a lot of analogies uh, between what, when ha what happened in the past historically prior to the, the major civil rights movement and what goes on now with major employers and how they treat the working man or working woman when they get hurt and it's a it's a movement it's not the civil rights movement it's it's a workers compensation movement but there's a lot of parallels there's a lot of analogies that can be drawn with how the way people are treated by Sat those in power saturday night live with philly labor on talk radio 1210 wpht along with j doc i'm krause uh, and a nice group of individuals who have joined us tonight for uh, our labor leader uh, roundtable fred agree uh, we've got just a couple of minutes before we get to the get to our next break uh, agree with the dialogue so far is history still uh, impacting what we do on a daily basis oh now more than ever i can't agree with jerry uh, more um you know the the, 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 the Labor issues, you know, started out, you know, this country with capitalism always took advantage of cheap labor. Um, and they brought people over here with cheap labor. You know, there was a conversation now going on in the country about immigrants, illegal immigrants. You know, again, you know, this is not the first time illegal immigrants have been used against other people. You know, whether it was, you know, the Italians who came over here or people the Jewish faith, the Chinese, um, people from, from Eastern Europe. I mean... Every ethnic group will use to give another ethnic group for cheap, you know, inexpensive labor. So, again, it's a human right issue, and, you know, people need to really stand up and say that. J-Doc, I'll give you last word of the segment before we get to the break. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, you have um, you have people and, and, it, it, and it, individuals that are brave people that have stood up for people, and great leaders in this country have always paved the way against injustice. And... Uh, those those statements that we read about Dr. Martin Luther King uh, and A. Uh, Philip Randolph, um, those those found they, they they created the foundation for what we still stand on today. If Martin Luther King said made that statement today, it would be more prevalent than ever. 
unbelievable. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable uh, from the Sinesta Hotel. Back in a moment. I've been coming out of step with them guys, okay? And I was a treasurer to the Democratic Party. You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and it hasn't, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm -hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business. And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable. Quick 15-second plug, J-Doc, uh, for our Jobs, Jobs, Jobs initiative, uh, which launched, uh, I guess, four to four to five weeks uh, ago now, uh, starting to get some fuel and some juice. Uh, a good partnership coming with the city of Philadelphia. We're going to continue to expand and build on that as we roll on. Absolutely. That's what we're about. Saturday Night Live in Philly Labor is about organized labor and our labor force. So first two uh, Saturdays of every month about jobs, jobs, jobs. Uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic to bring into the conversation right now PA State Representative Jordan Harris, who serves the 186th Legislative District, is also the chairman of the Pennsylvania Legislative Black Caucus. Jordan, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. It, it, it's great to have you. Uh, certainly this is our Tribute to Black History Month uh, broadcast. Uh, tell us uh, what uh, Black History Month means to you and it has it influenced you in your career choice? Well, you know, for me, black history is an uh, opportunity for all people to recognize the contributions that uh, African Americans have made to this country. Um, but for, for the African American, I think it's also an opportunity for us to recommit and rededicate ourselves to the struggles that still uh, haunt us to this day uh, as a community and for us to uh, rededicate ourselves to making sure that we continue to work together to address the collective issues that we have. So for me, um, you know, yes, it's affected my life uh, throughout, throughout my whole life. I mean, every day I wake up, I'm a black man, and, and that won't change. And how and, and what that means in this country may change, uh, and we strive to make sure that it changes for the better. So, every, uh, Jerry, ever think you'll wake up one day and you'll just be a man? Not in my lifetime. I don't believe so. Well, and, and, and let me be clear. I like being a black man. Like I don't wear that as as a negative thing. I wake up every morning. I look at my chocolate skin, and I'm I, and I'm I'm with it. You know, I appreciate it. Um, but it does mean something in this country, and 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 sadly, um, in more recent times, it has meant um, negative things when when interacting with certain groups of folks and, and different things. So, we have to work towards uh, ensuring that we remove those type of barriers uh, from our community. So, for me, Black History Month is an opportunity for us to remember where we've come from but also to, to understand where we have to go. And reference just a uh, reference, Jerry, but Jordan. So I apologize, nah, no I apologize for that. Good flood. Way to take it on the fly, brother. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all good stuff. Listen, we all been called worse. So believe me. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's interesting because, you know, you come from the political arena and, yes. and we're talking about civil rights and we're talking about labor. Let's talk about politics and labor and how and, and how they intertwine and how important they are to one another. Uh, uh, Chris, tell me how committed and what and what role does politics play in our labor community? I mean, I think it plays a big role. I mean, these are our legislators. These are folks who are passing legislation every day that affects not only our members, but members of the community. And I think we have an obligation more than ever um, to get more involved in politics, to educate our members on what politics mean, um, the elected <laughs> officials that we support, 
Um, and we can't do any more like paper endorsements. You have to actually like get invested in the uh, campaigns of some of our allies who are going to need our support because they're only as good as um, the folks that they have supporting them and pushing them every day. And uh, Jordan, who is uh, one of our biggest uh, supporters and helps us out a lot, we got to continue to wrap our arms around him and keep pushing. He does a great job. Chris hit it. Um, one of the one of my favorite things I like to say when we indenture a new class of apprentices and we, we talk about uh, the necessity of uh, being involved in politics, in labor we don't have a choice. Uh, every single day there are efforts uh, to affect our daily life, uh, state, you know, local and federal level. Um, you know, there are there are groups that would love nothing more than to see us not exist. Uh, we do not have a choice. We must be involved in politics, and we have to put everything we have into it. Nicole, you, at the AFL-CIO, you do a lot of labor to neighbor, and you're you're, you're at the forefront of a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, politics is a big part of what we do. How important do you think is the image of labor, and 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 getting that out there to the general public so that they support us on our issues? I think it's very important, um, you know, by doing that and ed help, helping educate the community, the community will look at labor as an ally and a resource um, because of the, the process and, and um, that we, I don't want to say really put politicians through, but, you know, we, we educate our members in the community on what the issues are and provide them with the opportunity to make their own choices. We, you know, we don't force... Um, uh, our opinions on them we educate and that's what that's what I really love about being in the union we help educate everyone you know just provide them with the information and let them make that informed decision Fred I'm gonna come to you in a moment but Jerry let me get you let, let me ask you to weigh in here you you spend a lot of time uh, trying to force change uh, and massage legislation um, for the worker well I do but I, I would more appropriately characterize the time that I spent in Harrisburg as education all right it's a very difficult job to be uh, a state representative a state senator a governor or even a congressman on the federal level and understand every law that is being discussed on a day-to-day -day basis and we as citizens uh, and more particularly labor leaders lawyers who have a better understanding of certain issues it's up to us to go to Harrisburg or to go to a local office and sit down with a legislator and explain to them what this piece of legislation means to someone who is working in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What, what happens to this person's life if this bill gets passed? And um, if we don't do that, bills get passed by uneducated legislature. And I think that is the biggest mistake that could ever happen in any state particularly the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but uh, I've spent a tremendous amount of time educating because I want whoever I'm in front of to understand what it's about. And when you really have an opportunity to educate and have an opportunity to explain what something means, because many legislatures aren't lawyers and they don't understand the legal impact of what certain words may mean to an average person. And it's incumbent upon me and everyone who practices law uh, that has an impact on uh, citizens of this Commonwealth to go to Harrisburg, to go to local offices and spend the time and talk to a legislator and say, listen, I need five minutes of your time. I need to tell you what this is going to mean if you pass this bill. 
so that you have to, when you're questioned by your constituents, you have an ability to answer that. Why did you vote for this? Or why did you not vote for this? And you'll be educated to answer it. Fred, you get a follow-up on that. Yeah, you, you, well, you're talking about politics and, and labor, and, and right now I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, take this opportunity to, to mention they have, a, they have a case right now um, in front of the Supreme Court that can be heard on Monday, to February 26th. Um, Janice versus AFME, um 31, which really um, trying to um, eliminate um, the fair share fee that we have enjoyed um, for years. You know, um, right now, um, there there's a law that public employees do not have to belong to a union, but they must pay a, a agency fee or a fair share fee to the union for the the energy, the time, and the resource we put into um, negotiate a contract and enforce the contract. It's only fair. It's like if you live in a community, you pay your taxes to for for the police, fire, and and um, public services. It's no different the union. Right now, you know the 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 other side or, or the the corporate America brought this case to the Supreme Court to do away with that, which is again going to affect you know the union um, and going to weaken the union. And that was all about. So again. Um, you know, we have to be very, very active in politics to make sure the legislation like that, right to work legislation, um, legislation that's, that's again, workers' compensation that um, Jerry represents, that we fight through efforts back time and time and time again. You know, it's interesting because that legislation is could possibly be crippling. I, I To this day, it, it, it just mind boggles me how, how um, individuals could want to be represented by a union but not want to be able to pay the dues so that the union can represent them as we know, uh, can represent them as we know. You know, before too long, the, the majority is going to be the non-union individuals, and the wages are going to go the other way. And 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 if I could, I mean, but that's by design. I mean, again, back in the '50s, when the union had, I believe, almost 40 percent of work were unionized. You know, the standard of living was high, wages were up there. Everyone had a good middle class um, standard of living. Um, since that time, they've been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Now we're down to um, 10% of the workforce is unionized, and you see wages are low, um, our, our standard of living is low, you know, you know, we're fighting for a decent minimum wage. I mean, there's no, there's no um, coincidence. I mean, two things work hand in hand, so people need to really wake up and, and realize what's going on. Martin, last word, 30 seconds. Just to uh, bring what you said into uh, the topic of tonight, right? So e even though labor is at a low point, 10% of the workforce, even now, minority workers who are represented by a union on average make, I'd say, about $150 per week, you know, per 27 uh, Bureau, of, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, than their non-union counterparts. So the, the potential effect of, 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 a, of a bad decision in Janus, you know, allowing... Uh, you know, non-member non bargaining unit workers to opt out of paying their fair share fee, it's only going to weaken the union, and it's going to weaken the union's ability to negotiate better wages and conditions. And for, for right, we got the day of action coming up, too, with the AFL-CIO on the 24th, and I know, Nicole, you wanted to, you, you, you can announce that in the next segment, if you will. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Back in a moment. I won't participate on behalf of ourselves here at Local 98 or the Philadelphia Building Trades in conversations that are purely dominated on social issues that don't affect our jobs. Back here live on Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210 
WPHT. Don't forget, we lead you right into St. Joe's basketball here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. So as we continue our discussion, our tribute to Black History Month, I'd like to talk about, uh, we were talked about some of the great leaders we've had. I'd like to ask each one of you um, leaders, uh, who has influenced you to be the person you are today? I'll start, I'm going to start with Jordan Harris. Well, I have, I have a whole list of leaders um, uh, that have influenced me and influenced my life. Um, but I got I, I to gotta keep it close to home, my mother. Um, you know, oftentimes we don't look at the folks that raise us as leaders. But the true fact is that most of our moral fiber and our character is built from our homes, from, from, from the people that raise us. And, you know, you know what I do every day and, and, and my desire to serve folks um, comes from my mother's uh, raising me. Now, in addition to that, I mean, I've had other uh, mentors, uh, Anthony Williams, state senator for the 8th district. Uh, I interned in his office when I was in high school. He taught me how politics worked and how you could use it to benefit people. His father, Hardy Williams, before him, um, uh, showed me uh, how to stand up and, and, and allow your voice to mean something and how to do things for other people, um, even when it didn't benefit yourself. So, you know, I've been blessed to have a lot of great leaders, but for me, the first leader that I ever had uh, was my mother, and she led me every day in my household. Fantastic. Nicole? Yeah, um, I have to agree. I had a, a, a long list of, of leaders, but three uh, stick out in my mind, um, and they introduced me, to, introduced me to politics as well, and they also taught me a lot about the labor movement, the history. Um, Miriam Poe, she was once the uh, director of the Civil Rights Department with the UAW. Uh, Dorothy Jones... Um, who was the assistant to Steve Jokic uh, with the UAW, and then um, my best, one of my best friends, Maurice Turner, who was the uh, director of the Labor Study Center at the University of Michigan. They pushed me to be the person that I am today. Chris Woods. Um, without a doubt, I would have to say my grandmother. Um, she's the one who raised my sister and myself. Um, she took on the responsibility of others. Um, she grew up, I grew up around the union. My grandmother was a delegate of 1199, later uh, uh, vice president of the union. And a lot of times I was just trying to get a ride home from school and you had to go to the union meeting to do that. And um, <laughs> so I learned very early on what I wanted to do in my life. And that's because of my grandmother. Arton? I think I'm going to stick with the family theme. Uh, my father is the, the best example for me. Uh, both of my parents are Jamaican immigrants. Um, my father came here when he was uh, about 19 years old, uh, originally came as an electrician, but went to welding school and uh, learned how to weld, became a uh, boilermaker shortly after that. But uh, where he was an example was through his work ethic. Um, being in the boilermakers can be very tough. It requires uh, a lot of travel. You know, it's time consuming. You have to spend a lot of time away from the family. But I understand you know, why he, uh, why he had to do what he did and the, and the sacrifices that he made. Um, but serving as that example and, and, and knowing that you have to just work hard to achieve what you want, you know, that's the example for me. Terry Lehaki. Uh, I, I have to, there's countless leaders in my life, but uh, I'd like to point out a couple. First and foremost, my father, who was a union plumber uh, and who was a high school classmate of a gentleman named Bill George, and some of you may know that name, uh, one of the most influential uh, lead, labor leaders uh, this state has ever seen. And Bill George uh, helped my father get into the union uh, shortly after my father was diagnosed with lupus. 
and it were not for the union and the health benefits that my father was able to get through the union, it saved his life for a period of about 30 years uh, during the time he was treated with lupus. And to watch Bill George at an early, before he became the Bill George that all the labor leaders know, uh, I got to see him up close and personal and how he helped my father and my family make it to a point where I was able to, to go to college and go to law school. And it was solely because of what the union provided for my family. Uh, the other leader uh, I point out uh, would be my partner, Sam Pond. Um, I've been with Sam for 30 years. And to watch him lead people, lead lawyers, lead staff, lead help politicians, and uh, all the people that we have dealt with over the years, uh, he is by far one of the greatest leaders I've ever seen. Well said. Fred Wright? Um, my father definitely um, was a big influence in my life. I mean, he was a steel worker, so he introduced me to the labor movement at a very young age. And it taught me the value of having a good union job to, to maintain your family and your middle class. Um, well, from the labor side, it had to be Bill Lucy. Um, Bill Lucy um, used to be the secretary treasurer at me and the founder of the Coalition of Black Trade Union is the CBTU. And again, the, C, you know, the CBTU was formed because of the need for African Americans to be active in politics. Um, they didn't feel that the, the, the AFL-CIO was doing enough in, in the politics, so they formed their own organization back in 1972, and it's still going strong now. So I'm very proud of that. Um, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, the leaders in this room have, have impacted um, so many people. Um, and one of the things I want to end with here is I'm going to just ask you, and you can throw it around. Do you feel like it's uh, important for you to be a role model to the youth of today? In other words, you've had individuals that you looked up to and you were able to take that to. Tell me what you think that, that, that you would like the youth to, to think about you, and would you like to be a role model for them? Um, yes. Um, I definitely want to be a role model to them, I mean, because this is something that, um, you know, you want to leave a legacy behind, and you want to give people the encouragement the encouragement and the motivation to carry this on. Um, or else, you know, the labor movement will die. So um, it's on us to really be a good role model and be a good example for other people to follow. Jordan? I was uh, in a school this morning speaking to a whole high school of students um, uh, about life and, 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 and what it means and the work that you have to put in. So absolutely, it means the world to me uh, to be able to stand in front of young people and, and have something to offer them. Uh, and, you know, I take Fred's word, and I say this all the time, we have to live our lives as if we plan on leaving a legacy. It, it, it's the most important thing we can do. Martin? So uh, similar to the earlier question about, um, you know, whether or not labor should be involved in politics, and uh, and my answer was we don't have a choice, right? So it those of us in, in the position we're in, we don't have a choice but to be a good example for the, the people that we're, that we're leading. Whether it's 800 or, in Chris's case, 14,000 people, uh, there are those that are looking to us, uh, and we should, again, we should be an example to all of them. Chris? Without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. I, I would be doing a disservice to people who paved the way for me if I don't, uh, you know, take that role, role model thing very seriously and uh, try to continue to push um, our culture forward for these young men and women who look up to me every day. Jerry, real quick. My my partners and I started our law firm with a lot of purposes, but one of them was to lead the young attorneys of this commonwealth uh, 
to to set an example to lay the groundwork for them to carry on long after uh, we decide to give it up and play golf. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank everybody uh, for this amazing uh, you know show. Uh, just a tremendous. Uh, example of what our leadership is in the city of Philadelphia and beyond. Uh, just you know, thanks everybody for being here. For the Thank benefit, you. My pleasure. for the benefit of the listening audience tuning in here on Talk Radio twelve ten uh, WPHT. Fred Wright, president of Ask Me DC uh, forty seven. Fred, nice job tonight. Good contribution Thank to the program. Me. Chris Woods, executive VP eleven ninety nine C. You got here early today, brother. Well deserved. Nice job uh, on your end. Martin Williams, first time. Uh, Martin joining us, the business manager of Boilermakers Local thirteen. Nicole Fuller, uh, representing the Philadelphia AFL uh, CAO. Jordan Harris, Pennsylvania State representative. Nice to have you here tonight. And Jim Stevenson, who was with us uh, for the opening uh, segment. Of course, Jerry LaHockey sitting up on the main stage, uh, up on the main set here, Jerry. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being part of the uh, program. That's going to do it for uh, Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're presented by Weinerman Painted Wellness. We're powered by Pond LaHockey, Stern, and Giordano. We're fueled by the Senesta Hotel. We thank them for hosting us tonight for the Labor Leader Roundtable, and we're driven by Chapman Ford. On behalf of uh, Nick, who took care of all of our audio uh, tonight, on behalf of uh, J-Doc, Frank back in the studio, I'm Joe Kraus. See you next time, everybody. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.